Welcome to the Airgun Geeks podcast. All topics talked about on this podcast are solely of our opinion and for entertainment purposes. My name is Patrick. Hi, I'm Adam. And how How geeky geeky do you you want want us to get? get? Hello and welcome to the Airgun Geeks podcast, where today we talk to the National Card Shark. So, Patrick, are you the National Card Shark? I most definitely am not. Oh. Damn. Well, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I got all the wood split. It's nice and cold outside, waiting for it to snow again. Got to play with some air guns finally, shoot a little bit last Sunday. I'm good. What we did last Sunday was not shooting. Tuning. I wouldn't even call it that. <laughs> that was disassembly and reassembly. It was more surgery. Yeah. Yes. I know. Yeah. Oh. So how about you? How you doing? Good. I'm I'm glad that tomorrow is Thanksgiving and I get a day off from work. So Thank nice. you, Jesus. Yes. I'm sorry. Lord have mercy. Today, oh my. But then we got Black Friday and Cyber Monday coming up at work. Lord. Well, speak for yourself. I'm going to be deer hunting on Monday. You're leaving me? Uh, you will find two deer Saturday and you'll be at work Monday. Okay. I said it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That, that's Unless I find them in your backyard. Yeah. I bet you I'm going to find out that you're in Bill's backyard. Well, I'd love to be in Bill's backyard, but it's a really long drive. I'm not going to be able to be there when I get out of work on Friday. <laughs> I'll tell you this much. You'll be a target if you find out you're at Bill's and you're, you're there without me. Mm-hmm. Well, so, Bill, if I show up, you know, Saturday morning, would that be okay with you? Absolutely. You guys are welcome here anytime. <laughs> oh, no, 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 just me. We can leave Pat behind. I need to have a target on my back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, okay. Bill? Pat's got a slight benefit, and at least he's willing to step on an airplane, which would cut down his travel time considerably. Uh-huh. I'll even sit down. <laughs> Why do I feel like this keeps getting thrown in my face that I don't like planes? <laughs> you know, again, if God wanted me to fly, he would have granted me wings. Instead, I have a lead foot. You know, they let you drink before you Airplane. get on now. <laughs> oh, well. So how you doing, Bill? I am fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me back on. Actually, thank you for taking all of our questions to uh, the HFT Nationals. That was yeah huge. Thank you. Oh, my God. Do you know how hard it is to get someone to commit to giving you an interview when they are in that mindset of, I'm at the biggest competition for this sport this year, and you you want to stick me in front of a microphone? I I got one person to commit to an interview with me, and that was Phil Hupler. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so he he's been on here a number of times, and and we've talked about him a number of times, and he is absolutely a wonderful man. I got to meet his family um, at the nationals, and uh, and I did get a wonderful interview, which is going to be appearing on my YouTube channel here very soon. And I'm very proud to announce that we have. Uh, absolutely crushed the 500 subscribers on YouTube barrier. So we are getting close to um, getting to the requirements for monetization. Not that I ever realized or I believe that that will ever happen because uh, YouTube has a way of, of not, not supporting our hobby very well. But um, I'm, I'm encouraged that the growth is there and we're moving in the right direction. Wow. So, I, I actually uh, have a sound effect for that. Congratulations, Bill, on reaching 500 subscribers. That's big. Thank you very much. And, and and since you're like 
so excited about that. Guess what happened last night, Adam? What? Do you know what happened, Bill? What? We hit 10,000 downloads for the Airgun Geeks podcast. And no, it's not a joke. It's real. 10,000. So I I don't even know what to say. Congratulations, guys. That that is freaking awesome. That's crazy. We appreciate that. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you so very much. Yeah, but it's crazy all over the world. Thank you. So if I knew multiple languages, I would say that. So translate. Uh, gracias. Yeah, gracias. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> we, we've we've I'm, I'm I I know Polish. Dziękuję. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Bill. Do you know the German? Thank you. Danke. Oh, see. Yeah. Danke. There we go. Oh. Broomhilda told me. Oh, 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 oh. how's she doing? <laughs> well, I, why do I feel like she's a scorned maiden right now? Uh, you know, it's an uneasy piece, uh, here today, but, um, both ladies are coming along very nicely. Uh, I don't know if you saw my Instagram post yesterday, but, um, uh, Freya actually had quite a, quite a monumental day yesterday. Um, but I don't want to get into that competition yet. Um, (laughs) but uh, her development's coming along very well, and also the technical side of Broomhilda's kind of uh, dynamometer mm. development mm-hmm. is almost complete technically. I've got a few lines of code to write to get the um, the lock time measurement down, but the instrumentation and the software for the load measurement is done and working extremely well. So I'm going to be producing that video, hopefully right after the holiday, uh, Thanksgiving day holiday. Um, so a lot of content is kind of backed up in the bottle um, to come out, but it's, it's, it's going to hit fast and heavy here uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas for sure. Sounds like you just said there's a bottleneck. No. <laughs> Wait. Bottleneck? Yeah, definitely. The ship went sideways in the Suez Canal. It'll be available in two to five weeks now. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, it is. So right. now I thought you got a case of the two of those. Those two are going to have to share a room. Yes. Oh, oh, God help you, Bill. You're a braver man than the rest of us. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I'm kind of rethinking that, that thought. Originally, I thought, because um, I... Of course, I had never shot a field target match before, and I thought I would love to. I would love to compete in both classes, and oh. I thought, well, I need to transport two rifles, so I'll get a double case. And after shooting some matches, I I I kind of feel like one <laughs> match a day is kind of a lot. Um, shooting two matches a day, uh, first of all, I don't know how the logistics would work out. I would have to have two separate cards and literally take up twice as much time as any other competitors. So I don't really see it being feasible to bring two rifles to a match with me. Um, so I'm not sure much sure how I'm going to handle that. Maybe I'll alternate or there's two different clubs within reason of, of my location. And maybe I'll shoot one with a, um, the one where I have a higher probability of being competitive, <laughs> I'll shoot with the Springer 
and then the other one I'll shoot with the PCP. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to pan out, but I'm not, I'm not sure that was a wise choice on my part to get a double case. Well, learn and let live. Yep. Yep. Wow. So I know we talked a few weeks ago and you did some observations at the, uh, national field target or the the national yeah the nationals for field target and we were talking about side wheels mm -hmm. and we had a really interesting conversation about the what do you call them the pizza plates that guys had on the side of their guns oh some of these were huge yeah and they were they, some of them were concentric and some of them were eccentric um but there weren't that many Nautiluses there. I mean, I was surprised. I really thought Nautilus made, to me, the most sense logically. Um, but it it looked like that really wasn't a, at least in this in this cross section of competitors, didn't seem to be that wide of a choice. Hmm. Hmm. And honestly. Um, I have a concentric wheel on Freya that I, I designed and printed on my 3D printer. I uploaded the files for revision one. Um, revision two is close behind it. I haven't had much time to work on it, but I know what I want it to do. And it's going to be much, much better um, than version one. The reason I wanted the concentric wheel was because on the Nautilus wheel, I've got the, the one colored rod that um, is along the axis of the scope that you use as the indicator. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to experiment with on Freya was a pointer that actually pointed right on the surface of the wheel. So there's... There's no ambiguity with the angle of your head or, you know, the parallax error, if you will, mm -hmm. that you're inducing in that, in that measurement. Not that that's really that big of a, of a component of accuracy. It just aesthetically, I liked having that pointer come to a nice sharp point right on the surface of the wheel. And I see, okay, that's my line or I'm in between this line and that line. Visually for me, it, I liked it. So I tried it. And I, I actually enjoy using it. So I don't know if I'll change that or not. I actually just realized something. We didn't introduce Freya. No. That's true. Oh. It's yeah. a mistress. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of interesting because she was actually the gun that I wanted to go into this sport with. I... I had put a lot of effort into, and I've discussed it with a lot of people, John, uh, Justin Jacobson over at Utah Air Guns, other, other prominent um, people, PJ, PJ Clark, Wisconsin Air Gunner. A lot of people that I really trust their opinion on air guns, I discussed this with, and they're all like, oh, get a GRS crown, get a GRS crown. And I, I tried. <laughs> I, I did. I tried to get one, and it was made out of uh, unobtainium. I'm with you. I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and you have the the detriment of being a southpaw, so you had uh, you had wrong hand syndrome. Yes. Uh, which made it even worse. But at least I'm in my right mind. You are. You are very, <laughs> very true. So. 
Freya was actually the gun that I wanted to go into this with. Um, and I, I actually, I cornered John at FX and, and tried to twist his arm. And I'm like, dude, please get me a GRS Crown Mark II. I really want that for, for Hunter Field Target. Or actually, more properly said, it's Field Target Hunter Division or Hunter Class. Um, I, I saw some people getting scolded on the forums for for calling it the Hunter Field Target. But anyway, a lot of people do, and it doesn't really seem to matter. Most people take it in stride. But uh, yeah, I I really wanted the crown, and I couldn't get it. I could get the uh, the spring gun. Um, the Wairau, and and it is a wonderful gun. I'll tell you what, though, the difference, as beautiful as the stock is on Broomhilda, the GRS is 10 times better. It, it As far as fit and function and having the adjustments on it that really matter and not requiring... Um, any tools, but yet having it lock the position that you put it in so solidly that you'd swear you had just torqued and loctited those fittings. I mean, it's that good. It's, um, it is confidence inspiring uh, how good that stock is. And honestly, had they put an adjustable buttstock on that, um, the stock that I got from Air Guns of Arizona for the, uh, the Ryra. I, I would have been much happier with it, but they didn't. And I have a kit to put it on, but it involves <laughs> taking a really large wood bit to a sinfully expensive piece of laminate wood. <laughs> and I've, I've, uh, I just haven't had time to jump into that, but I need to, um, and I need to get it fitted and, uh, and make it look pretty. Otherwise I won't let her out of the box if it doesn't look good. So. Uh, that's coming up, and that's, I'm going to do a um, do some YouTube coverage of that as well. So those are all changes that are on the on the road for Broomhilda. But Broomhilda and uh, and Freya are stable mates at this point. Um, of course, Broomhilda being the spring gun, and Freya being uh, an FX PCP Crown Mark II and 177. And I we were having a conversation at the match I shot in last weekend about slugs and I'll tell you what after shooting in some pretty I wouldn't say intense but some unpredictable California winds um, much like we're at the Nationals uh, I can see the wisdom of using a slug with a much better ballistic coefficient um, to, to get to get better performance against that wind. And I was I was pretty lethal uh, with the crown inside of 35 yards. I had very few misses in that in that range. Almost all of my misses existed at the 45 to 55 yard range mark. And that's, you know, that's where that wind was playing the hardest against us because the the berms along the edges of the range um, tapered down closer to grade as they got further away from the blockhouse that we were shooting out of but uh, so the wind was more prevalent but I I'm 
quite excited to try some slugs that I have headed this way to see how they do accuracy wise. But um, my post on Instagram yesterday was I, I got some new pellets in. Um, I didn't have the luxury of having many pellets to call from the first go around. So this time I got a much better selection. And I'll tell you those 13 point something grain um, <laughs> JSBs, the monsters, I, I was blown away. It was like, it was a Excalibur moment. You know, when I, when I put those in the gun and shot a group, I like shook my head. I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, that's ridiculous. <laughs> they shot so much better than the eight fours that I had, I had used at the, as a match previously. I'm like, that's like a, that's like a, it's two X more accurate than it was yesterday. Um, just with that, that increase in pellet weight. So I got to do another dope chart and I, I got the stuff today. It was one of my errands today. Um, I got some stuff to make that go a little faster, but I'm, I'm stoked and that's where Freya's at. And, uh, and she's been, uh, she has been remarkably reliable and it's, it's fun when as a shooter, you've got all of those things that you have to keep in mind as a Springer shooter, you're not as taxed with the PCP. It is so much easier to shoot the PCP accurately. However, I will say that learning how to shoot a Springer well will help you shoot anything else really well. And that, that has proven quite true. Wow. So TX 200 is in our future, Pat. It's always been in the future. But there's some other teasers out there that I've been looking at, but that's for another show. So <laughs> I'm curious on what you found out at Nationals, and who did you get to interview? Oh, I got I got the longest-running field target champion in the hunter, hunter class ever, uh, our, our good friend Phil Hepler. He loves that title, by the way. Absolutely loves it. He hates it. <laughs> but it's true. But so, Philip, we uh, we'll be reaching out to you here soon. Hopefully soon. Just if you're listening to this, just know you're 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 on our watch list. Yeah, we we threw a dart at the dartboard, and you're next. <laughs> so, what'd you find so, out? He was one of the ones. Um, oh, I don't. Oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. Uh, well, I'll get into it. Um, when I when I went to nationals, I went there for two reasons. I went there as my business target forge um, to set up, and I was the only the only vendor at nationals. And to put that in contrast, when you go to an event like RMAC or or one of those big events, there's there's a midway of of people there hawking their wares and telling you their story and, and sharing their products with you. Um, at nationals, there's a bunch of guys with RVs and tents and, um, and trunks open. There's, there's no, there's no real business presence. And that's, it's, it's a curse and a benefit. Um, the comp, the comp, the competition at nationals is, is very, very human. There's, 
there's not big money on the line. It's all prestige and pride and, um, and walking away knowing that you were, you were the national champion, but there's not a lot of money there, prize money or, um, or sponsor money coming in. So I, I'm kind of on the fence with where that should go. And I thought, what a great opportunity to throw this to you two and say, what do you think about that? Do you think um, Field Target would benefit from an influx of money or would it be a detriment to Field Target to become a higher profile sport or a higher profile event the way that um, extreme bench rest has become? Mm. Well, I don't think it could ever hurt. I mean, not saying it needs to be monetized, but the fact of getting it out there to be a more visible event, there's a lot of people that have never heard of it but have heard of Benchrest or have heard of um, Gunslinger. Well, Gunslinger is actually the one that I get a lot of you know, people going, well, how do they do that? Well, very carefully. And actually, it's really funny you should say that. There's this really good podcast that show, talks about that recently. So it, it's the shooting fast. It's not the shooting accurately. And I think that's more of the American mentality. We've gotten to the point of let's shoot as much as possible and we'll knock something down versus taking your time, making that one shot count. Because, I mean, think about it. Field target, when you really get down to brass tacks, it's all about making that one shot count. And, oh, my God, we might get lucky to get a follow-up shot for a practical application. What are you unless you are shooting pigeons off a silo, ever going to be shooting, you know, what is it, 40 rounds in a minute and 12 seconds? Mm-hmm. So, no, that's not bashing anybody. It still takes a lot of skill to shoot that fast, that accurately. That That's in no way a, a criticism. It's just a more practical application. Like, we like to hear, as people, we like that audible feedback. Pop, 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 ding, 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 ding. Like, we like that. I like it. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. So in shooting far and hitting that half-inch target at 100 yards, yeah, that that's glamorous. And I think, so I do think, yes, that, that was a very long-winded way of saying, I do think, you know, mm-hmm. getting a little bit of influx, getting a little bit more sponsorship, maybe not the right word, but getting more notoriety, getting it out there, getting it visible, can't hurt because this is fun. It's, it's the most fun you can have with an air gun, mm-hmm. if you ask me. Yeah, and it's 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 a slow... You can take your time. It's a spectator sport. You can always follow the people around and see what they're doing. Everyone is different, you know. And if it's if it's in the woods, that's really fun. So you get to be with nature and whatnot. But uh, yeah, shining the spotlight on on uh, hunter field target. I well, field target in general. Yeah, field target. Yeah, true, true. You know, I I didn't know much about it till we met Philip, and I was like, oh, what's that about? And then when I got to exposed to it, it was like. Oh, now yeah. I'm hooked. I know, and your first one was in a, you know, a wide open field. Yeah. And you were addicted. And then you went into the woods that one time, and you're just like, yep. You're like, yep, I could do this. Yeah. It was tons and tons of fun, especially when it falls over. And, you know, <laughs> at all the different angles and whatnot, and you're like, how are they doing that? You know, and it's that moment of suspense with, with gratification, mm-hmm. you know. And depending on the competition, you know, it's timed. So I I have two observations I would like to inject into this conversation. And they have to do with the demographics of the two events. And I'm contrasting um, the Nationals for Field Target versus RMAC. And 
I'm talking about the mean age of the contestant, not in a negative way at all. Um, I met some wonderful people at both events. But I noticed the mean age of the contestants at RMAC was considerably younger than that of, of field target nationals. And I'd, I'd hate to see it get branded as, as the old man sport because I, I would love to see a lot more new, new blood at, in that. And I, I, don't want, I don't think money is the solution to fixing that. I think um, promoting it and, and getting it out there and getting people exposed to it is, is a better way of bringing young blood into that sport. Um, there was, I think, one younger shooter, maybe two, at Nationals, and they were, they were captive grandchildren of grandparents that were both competitors. And I think they were... They were <laughs> They were COVID castaways stuck in the RV with grandma and grandpa, and they were going to shoot whether they wanted to or not. Um, now they, they could be, it could be totally wrong, but um, the young lady that I saw shooting at nationals um, was stood out because there, there just weren't that many of them. Whereas at RMAC, there were quite a few, there were quite a few young shooters at RMAC. And quite a few in the in the late twenties, early thirties range. Um, not that many at, at nationals. And I, I I know I would love to see um, some new blood coming into that and learning some skills from these old timers that have been that can just shoot the daylights out of stuff. I mean, you shoot with uh, with Scott Schneider, Motorhead, um, who is the new new Hunter Field Target champion um, in the U.S. for 2021. Um, those guys have just a tremendous amount of knowledge in their heads and, uh, and are willing to share it. And I would love to see more, more people plugged into that. Yeah. And then connecting the two sports, cause shooting hunter field target, it made me, made me personally a better bench rest guy because you're, you're, you're learning the technique and the procedures and whatever ritual you're going to do because you're putting it through a smaller hole. Patrick, yep. let's be honest. It made you slow down. Okay, I slowed down. Yes. <laughs> I'm a fast shooter. But, you know, um, I, I, well, although the other I think, too, is that from that, you, you mentioned it before, Pat. You said you were talking about the, the, from, the, um, from the crowd standpoint, from as far as observing it, how exciting is it? And honestly, um, observing a, a bench rest match is about as exciting as watching paint dry. Mm -hmm. um, or grass grow in the Midwest. It <laughs> it's not that engaging as a as a spectator, but you bring speed metal to the table, where now it's all of that action and all of that air and all of that lead flying down range. I can tell you at RMAC, ev almost every vendor there closed down their booth for the speed metal finals and walked out there and watched it. And those stands were packed. Um, <clears throat> there was actually some angst uh, along the firing line because there were people that were <clears throat> not really supporting the event that were standing around there to get a better view. And, uh, you know, there was some consternation about 
uh, getting them the heck out of there so that people could could get a better view of it. But I mean, it was exciting. The, the excitement in the air was just absolutely palpable. Hmm. I can understand that. So I know it's actually a topic of conversation that Pat and I've had before because we've noticed that too, where it does seem like even any shooting demographic is slowly aging. Mm-hmm. You know, there's less hunters getting out in the woods. It's or they're going early because they don't want to go out in the snow, like or getting wet. Like can't really blame them. And even when I was at the gun shop, like it was a steadily increasing age demographic. You weren't getting new shooters in there's i don't know there's no sense of urgency at least not until you know 19 months ago but there was no sense of urgency or want to learn how to handle it because well i can just shoot with the you know was it the facebook oculus 3d thing mm-hmm. like i've got a friend that doesn't shoot anymore he just picked himself up a uh a virtual vr headset and that's he plays archery games and shooting games on that not gonna lie, it's actually really fun, but also makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but there's nothing like the real thing. I'm sorry. No. Absolutely. Oh god, no. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a movie that talked about it. There's nothing better than pipping the aces eight hundred yards. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Very true. Wow. That was uh Extraordinary gentleman, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't m- often make you know movie or pop culture references, so the fact that I made one and you got it, Bill, makes my day. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so back to nationals. Um, day one was was a real hoot, and I again, this was my first national field target match, so I really I didn't have a good feel for. Um, you know what to expect from as a as a business or or as a uh, as a reporter. Um, so I was going to go down there for the one day because I had gotten inundated with orders from my friends in Central Florida um, that I met at Armac, and they wanted their own speed metal setup that was easier to manage and score than the one at Armac. So I designed some pretty cool stuff for them that's actually going to come out later this month as a product but um i was under pressure to get that stuff to them because they've got matches they actually had one just a week or two ago and they've got another one coming up in december and they're big speed metal events for these guys and they're i think what we're seeing is uh, some clubs trying to raise up to be kind of uh pre-events to the large larger events like RMAC because RMAC is going to reach capacity where there's only so many shooters are going to be able to accept. And I think you're going to have to pre-qualify eventually if it continues to grow at the rate that it is, you may have to pre-qualify at a club level event or a, or a regional event in order to, to get invited to go to, to these larger events. Um, maybe they'll get really crafty and figure out, spectacular ways to solve that problem but i know um i know it is something that they're wrestling with but anyway um i was gonna go down for day one and then i got there at day one and there was so much interest in the business and the stuff that we make 
that I was like, man, there's a lot of shooters that are that are only coming in tomorrow because tomorrow the the next day Saturday was the start of the rifle events that aren't even here because Friday is the uh, is the pistol event that's the first day of the pistol and uh, I decided to go for two days and I did get uh, two days of coverage and I picked up the day three events from hanging out with the guys that actually managed it uh, last weekend so. Uh, day one was was very interesting. I got to see the first pistol field target match that I'd ever been witness to, and uh, I learned one very interesting fact that um, a, a lot of the very competitive people in that arena um, for Hunter Pistol are using rifles, air rifles that have been converted into pistols. Um, which was quite surprising to me because I thought it would all be uh, the Silhouette 1702s from Crossman or uh, Benjamin or whatever they're branded these days. But I, I thought it would be those pistols. And actually, a lot of them are converted rifles. And I thought, wow, this could be an interesting experiment to take a crown receiver and make a pistol out of that. But anyway, I'm going to have to talk to Jonathan about that, see if I can get his support. But um, day one was the first day of the pistol event. And uh, it turns out an unlikely champion um, tried to tried to rear his head and steal steal the thunder from the humans. And it was the Yellow Jackets. Um, they took over the whole middle of the range. So, you know, these, these poor men had come in and set up uh, all of these courses of fire for their for the pistol event, and one fully one third of it, the whole middle third, got shut down because a rogue um, swarm of yellow jackets showed up and took over that area, and they were not they were not happy to share it with humans at all. <laughs> wow. And it was hysterical <laughs> to watch these guys, you know, running around, waving their arms, trying to shoo these yellow jackets away. And, um, you know, I, I love to watch animal behavior. And I, after everybody was on the rifle course the next day, I went back over to the pistol range when it was quiet and had a chance to go take some B-roll footage and, and look at things more closely. And I actually walked that closed range and observed these yellow jackets and they were, they were looking for a home. They were just trying to find a place so that they could set up at camp and, uh, and be home. And of course the, the setup for this pistol range was on their uh, Western speed shooting or action shooting uh, range, which is actually quite spectacularly done really nice woodwork and old building faces and stuff. And turns out that's uh, pretty sweet real estate for uh, roving yellow jackets. So that was uh, that was a little bit of drama for the first day. They uh, switched the competition around so that they could still get the shots in. They did one course twice to uh, to discount the one that was out of play. But uh, it was very entertaining to watch um, both the hunter class and the regular. Uh, pistol class shoot and some of those guys are contortionists man I, I could not believe how they uh, manipulated their human form 
into a set of shooting sticks um, and, and pulled off these shots. Um, a lot of them were quite remarkable, but um, hats off to the ones that uh, the ones that did really well. I know in the um, um, in the hunter class, Wayne Burns, who was the, the match director, actually won that. Uh, and I was I was pretty cool. Scott Hall, who is probably the reason that I got a 3D printer, uh, was number two, and um, Eric Brewer got number three in the uh, in the was this hunters? Checking my paperwork here. Yeah, they were hunter, but it was uh, it was quite a hoot to watch those guys shoot, and. Uh, when it came to the rifle course uh, on Saturday, those guys had some absolutely demonic wins to deal with. Um, it was, I would say, between 10 and 15 mile an hour with little puffs now and then. But what made it really interesting was many of their shots were set up down in these depressions, which looking at the topography of these fields may have been old rice paddies. Oh. So they were they were sunk into the into the landscape. And I think that created some really interesting turbulence as that wind rolled over the edges. And um you know when you get that turbulence sometimes you can get a lot of downforce um on those pellets right at you know getting close to the target. And that really, um, it threw Phil, uh, Philip for a loop trying to deal with that. And, uh, I think, I think a lot of them, uh, were overcompensating for the wind. They were looking at the wind on their wind indicators on their guns and they were seeing, you know, that thing standing straight up. And, and fluttering in the wind and thinking, oh, my gosh, yeah, I really got a hold over for this. And But because the target was down in the depression, um, what they were seeing at their gun is not really the same as what was on the field target. I could be all wet, too. I, I didn't shoot it, so I can't I can't speak from a position of, uh, of intelligence there. But um, it definitely challenged a lot of really good shooters. Um, but back to Motorhead, uh, who was Scott Schneider, he, um, he got the match high score for the day uh, with one of your favorite guns, Adam. Uh, it was a raw TM-1000. Mm. Get, get this, it was in 20 cal. Oh, Okay, I th- actually I think I know exactly the gun you're talking about. Really? I think so. I can't imagine there's a ton of them. No, but I I, I don't think it was Scott, but I did get to shoot a 20 cal TM1000 that was very very impressive. The stock the woodwork on it was amazing. The way the pellet flew was great. It was it was definitely an experience. Not one that I want to repeat. I'm not a 20 cal fan, but I definitely see the uh, merits for it. I also got to watch um, Jim, uh, Jim Siren shoot, and he is also uh, 
occasionally a match director up at the Sacramento Valley Club that I've shot at. And he was just outstanding to watch him shoot because his he has got his, <laughs> you know, you'll watch a pitcher or someone in baseball or football or something that has a, a pregame ritual. And Jim takes that to a whole other level. Um, his motions leading up to a shot, you could, you could see them once and know how they're going to happen for the next thousand times. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he is just like a, he's amazing at how, um, he does exactly the same motions leading into every shot. And as you can tell, his focus is just unbelievably intense. Um, it was definitely a privilege to go there and watch that. Hats off to all the competitors. Um, and my apologies for continuing to call it Hunter Field Target because it's really Field Target Hunter class. Um, but I had a, I had an amazing time with those guys. Um I was able to, you know, one of the things that's challenging at, at Morro Bay is um, it's quite a ways out of town. And uh, if you're going to go down there and stay, uh, getting food is is kind of tricky. It's either going to cost you a lot of money in gas or, um, or wearing on the uh, goodwill of your neighbors. <laughs> but... <laughs> They they made it so that you could actually contribute to the food pot, and uh, they just went out and got everything in bulk, and um, it worked out super well. So we were well fed. We had a great time, and uh, very very low drama. It was uh, it was an awesome awesome weekend. So just before we started the uh, recording, you were telling us how you were a card shark. <laughs> well, I I won't call myself the card shark, but I will call this group of shooters tremendous card sharks. So I I had this idea for, you know, how do I get I don't make many things for field target. Actually, I do. I, I think the um the devil's eye and the devil's eye H E are great training tools for field target. Um they're cheap. You can put them up at a lot of different ranges. They don't cost a lot of money. Um, but I wanted to get some exposure to these guys. So they gave me the opportunity to put some target frames, which were just quickie frames, out on the range. They had a big practice range set up. It's probably, I want to say, 35 lanes wide, 40 lanes wide, huge. And they said, yeah, you can put this stuff out there. So I, I took two frames. And I hung some steel in the middle, and I put some uh, I put some card sharks out on the edge, and I put four playing cards edgewise to the shooters. I think I put four uh, facing the shooters too, so that they had some more targets. Um, but I made a I made a deal. I had it announced over the uh, loudspeaker that anyone who split a card got twenty dollars off at my table that day, and you don't throw down the gauntlet like that to a bunch of world-class shooters because within minutes those cards were shredded and if you've never split a card before i i encourage you go go try this because it, it is a hoot and to think that these guys were splitting cards at 35 yards with 177 caliber pellets 
out of 12 foot pound guns. And that was just astonishing to me. Um, now, some of the ones that split were, were 100, 100 class guns and they were uh, a little bit more power. But a lot of these guns were um, just pretty little, uh, pretty uh, world field target guns. And they shredded those cards two bits in minutes. And when I went back the next day, and set up the same challenge. I put them out at 50 yards, and that slowed them down a little bit. But uh, <laughs> didn't didn't stop them. But what a hoot to watch those guys! You know, as soon as there was a a, a little mini competition in the in the practice time, they were all over it. You know, you don't take a bunch of guys who love to compete and drop that gauntlet in front of them and not expect them to uh, to rise to the occasion. And they did. It was a lot of fun. In fact. Uh, Philip Hepler was one of the winners of that of that gauntlet being dropped, and uh, he and his wife both got um, my pellet pouch lanyard cool. and uh, and pouch, and uh, I just made a custom one for his wife, Lady Deadeye. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I that Deadeye and Lady Deadeye. <laughs> she was. I, I, when I designed my pellet holder, I used myself as a model. And I'm I'm bordering on Sasquatch size, <laughs> and I realized that it might be a little long for her. <laughs> I was worried she might trip on it, um, <laughs> so I, I made her a new one, and I I tried to uh, I tried to get closer to her color scheme, uh, which involves a lot of hot pink. So uh, <laughs> she'll be getting that probably about the time this this episode airs. So I won't spoil the surprise, but. It's actually in the mail to her right now. Mm. Nice, cool. That's nice of you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so, um, how are things going at Target Forge? Well, we're getting ready for what I'm hoping is a blockbuster holiday season. Um, we're just about a week or two away from selling what I think is going to be one of the coolest things to happen to backyard shooters. Um, you guys probably had erector sets when you were kids. Uh-huh. Yes. The nice thing about an erector set is it gives you the ability to make just about anything, kind of like Legos or Lincoln Logs or Tinker Toys, anything like that, that allows us to be creative and not, not have a lot of power tools. Uh-huh. We have come up with a way to mount conduit to T-posts and while that doesn't really seem all of that exciting on the surface, it, it creates a building method on your home range that is just remarkably cool. You can take a short length of EMT, um, a two-foot section right on the middle of a T-post, and you can let steel targets hang off either side. You can um, take our new thread inserts for the end of the conduit, install them with a hammer or a rock and they provide a quarter 20 threaded hole on each end of the conduit for you to attach the devil's eye high energy. Um, You can put some card sharks on a piece of two foot conduit, hang it off one side, literally these brackets, these, these um, fasteners for the T posts are so strong that you can suspend a piece of conduit two feet away from the conduit itself 
and hold cardboard out there and shoot to your heart's content. So you can you can have a couple of T-posts driven on your range and literally within minutes change the whole look of your shooting range um, from target styles, target surfaces, whether it's paper or metal, it doesn't matter. Um, the, and this is where it gets really cool. We also have fasteners that allow you to attach conduit together. So if you've got a bundle of two-foot sections of conduit, um, you can have some um, quarter 20 all thread and literally just screw them together and create whatever length you need. You can span most multiple T-posts. So now you can create really advanced, crazy structures for your home range. Um, and when it's time to mow around the range, you just go twist these clips off, fold it all up, throw it in a bag and take your weed trimmer and clean up your range. It's, it's a really, really cool, super flexible way to set up a range really fast, really cheap, and without any tools at all. And, you know, if you want to chuck some stuff in the bag and go out in the woods, you still got our Quickie, which our new and improved Quickie actually has spring clips to hold the legs on. So you can take a Quickie leg set and twirl it around on your finger and those legs will not come off. Um, so we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming up in the next week or two. And I am super, super stoked. Well, I, look, um, I look forward to seeing to it. it. That is exciting. Now, I have a question. Does our special Super Geek 10 discount save you 10% on that? Oh, my gosh. You bet. And I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm going to leave the code the same so that it doesn't confuse anybody. But if you use that code between now and Christmas, I'm going to make it 15%. <gasps> Fifth, yep. Well, one, one, five, one, five, one, five, one, five. Okay, one five. Fifteen percent. Well, We're gonna I kick just, a little extra. I want to make sure that Art knows that it's not five zero because that's what he was threatening the last time. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was, he was. Well, well, I'll make sure I get the. I'll get it in the description. We'll also put it on our Facebook page. Um, and I'm going to assume you're going to make a video on how to do all of this fun building. Oh, I am. Ooh. I am. I'm going to have fun with that video, too. I love videos. So that's awesome. That's awesome. That's exciting. I love Target Forge stuff. Yes. I shoot it with everything. It's like Frank's Red Hot. Including my rimfire. I shoot it with everything. <laughs> I mean, I should probably shouldn't admit that, but at this point, I think I've used yeah. it on my rimfire more than anything else. We, we did beat them up, and they still hold up. Oh, yeah. And, I, and we actually hit the nail on one of the dead eyes. And it didn't move. No. It cleaned the rust off, <laughs> but it didn't move. That's cool. That's exciting. That's exciting. That's okay. So what <laughs> What? Uh, what do you got, Adam? You got this actually, look on your face. Actually, I don't have anything. I think we've got everything. We talked about the card shark, the national card shark, and why you don't throw down any type of accuracy challenge to world-class shooters. Uh -huh. We've got yeah. to hear the yellow jackets for the real winner for the pistol division. Tracker checkers. Sorry, I wanted to say that earlier. Wow. Yeah. What happened to the uh, last Starfighter? <laughs> <laughs> no. Tracker jackers, if you didn't know, come from the Hunger Games. Yes. Oh, so modern pop culture. Modern reference. pop culture. Oh, never you. mind. It wasn't mm -hmm. from before I was born. <laughs> so, no, I think we got everything covered. Bill, thank you so very much for your time tonight. Thank one you. more thing before I go. <gasps> He's got oh. one more. What you got? It's if you guys haven't seen PJ Clark's new video, 
that is actually out on the American Air Gunner brand. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Go You've on. You've got to go see that. If anybody's listening to this and you haven't seen that video, stop what you're doing right now. Pause this podcast. Go watch that video and laugh your ass off because I, I thought PJ did an amazing job with that. I had so much fun watching it. I'm like, I really thought he's going to go get a turkey and then he's going to field dress that thing. And it's going to be, it's going to be disgusting, but I love it. And that absolutely was not that at all. And yeah. I absolutely laughed my butt off. I haven't watched it yet. I got it pulled up as soon as we're done with this. I'll watch it. I, I will uh, I will make sure that that link gets put in the description also. I will second and third that motion. That is hilarious. He had me going too. So <laughs> that was awesome. All right. Well, well with that said, um, at the time we're recording this, so I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays for those that don't. Happy holidays. Yep. Yeah. All those coming up. So uh, like I told someone today, Live long and prosper. And like always, stay geeky. Thank you again for taking some time out of your day to listen to the Airgun Geeks podcast. If you have any topics you would like to hear on our podcast, feel free to email us at airgungeeks at gmail.com. You can also join our Facebook group, also titled Airgun Geeks. And we are also going to have a YouTube channel titled Airgun Geeks. And possibly in the future, there might be some videos on there. If you like what you've heard and would like to help support Airgun Geeks, please check out our Patreon page. Or you can also just donate to our PayPal links. Just go to the links that we have in the description to help us out. Last but not least, if you like what you heard, give us five stars. We, we would really appreciate that. Till we meet again, shoot straight and stay geeky.